All 193 countries of the United Nations have declared it a concern of all nations, and the European Space Agency has made tackling it a key priority. Now, ESA and the UN have joined forces to highlight this topic of global concern, space debris. I'm Rosa Jesse, editor at ESA's Spacecraft Operations Centre in Germany, and in this podcast series, we'll speak to experts on space debris, space policy, space law, and more. Each podcast episode comes with a corresponding infographic, beautifully illustrating the issues raised. Find them in the podcast notes at isa.int slash space debris or at usa.org. Episode 7, The Impact of Space Debris, with Beatriz Gileta and Marcus Waltram. So my name is Beatriz Gilete, and I work as a space debris monitoring systems engineer in the ESA Space Debris Office. My main duties basically are supporting a space safety program related activities by a technical lead, supervising the different projects, validating software tools, etc. My name is Marcus Waltron. I'm working in the office of the director at the Office for Outer Space Affairs. In my role, I'm supporting the director with different activities from um, interagency coordination for internal UN activities to specialized projects as such. The World Space Forum, for example, I'm organizing. I'm also organizing and leading a UN USA program, which is called Space for Women. And I'm supporting also uh, public information activities and outreach activities of the office. Cool. Well, thank you both for joining. Um, and maybe we'll kick off the discussion about space debris and the impact that it has. With you, Beatrice, could you give us um, a kind of idea of how much is up there and the damage that it can do? Mm -hmm. So in order to understand the impact of debris that have in uh, the different satellites that we have operational right now, we have to understand how many of these objects and their sizes in order to understand the risk. So the number of debris objects estimated by statistical models uh, to be in orbit are around 34,000 objects larger than 10 centimeter size, more than 900,000 objects between 1 to 10 centimeter size, so basically the, the, the size of a tennis ball, and uh, mm. around 130 million objects between 1 millimeter to 1 centimeter size. Just think on a rice uh, grain size um, that uh, are populating there. So the the thing is that uh, people tend to think that these small size uh, objects cannot damage uh, the satellite or cannot cause that risk as large objects. But having into account that we have a very large number of these small particles, this means that it's more dense uh, the, the, um, the area or the volume they are covering. Plus, uh, they are traveling at very fast speeds. Uh, we are talking about uh, 6 to 10 kilometers per second relative is, uh, speed. Um, so the impact of these tiny um, objects can cause a lot of damage. So if we go in the order of uh, micron, micrometer uh, size, 
uh, we can uh, expect that we are going to have, uh, for example, uh, problems with glass cover blinding. Also, all those uh, observatory satellites going there may have problems. And if we increase the particle size and we go to the level of uh, millimeter to centimeter, these particles can, for example, penetrate uh, astronauts' spacesuits, um, can cause perturbation of electric components. And one of the example of this is the Hubble solar panel. At the level of uh, millimeter, uh, the potential damage is increasing and can cause the loss of satellite payload. If we go uh, beyond uh, the the centimeter uh, particle size, so ben between one centimeter to 10 centimeter, uh, we are talking about a likely mission termination. And if we go farther, so larger object sizes above 10 centimeter, then we can expect structural failures and severe environmental uh, contamination, provoking kind of a cascade effect because they're releasing more uh, particles into a space. Yeah, the Kessler syndrome we've yeah. heard about in one of the other podcasts. Um, and Marcus, these kind of collisions and explosions, I know there's been some kind of popular culture references to them. How realistic are these? Well, we have heard from Beatrice how what an impact it can have and what, what uh, potential space object can have an impact. And if we all remember the, the reference uh, to gravity, the Hollywood movie, blockbuster science, science fiction thriller from 2013, I think <clears throat> that was a good depiction of the potential threat of space debris in outer space. And Beatrice already outlined it and, and, and already mentioned it, the cascading syndrome, the so-called Kessler syndrome. And that is actually described in the first in the first part of the movie, in the first scene. Astronauts on a spacewalk are threatened by space debris. So um, what the movie producers are showing us is the is, is the phenomenon called Kessler syndrome, a chain reaction, a collision between orbital technology. Um, and under each, each of the collisions creates uh, a swarm of debris fragments, and each of those fragments then goes on to trigger further collisions. So uh, that is nicely depicted and nicely shown in the first part of the movie Gravity. Um, and I can I can only relate to that from, from a previous supervisor and boss of ours, uh, who was a former astronaut, Japanese astronaut, who confirmed after after seeing the movie that it was very close to reality. That's really good to know, because I thought it was a great film and really gave the feeling of, of space and the junk that's up there. Um, so I, it's, it's kind of good to know that it's realistic, although maybe more scary. Exactly, exactly. So um, when, when we put it into perspective and Beatrice um, already outlined it in the certain different dimensions, but when we look over the past decades, um, the first verified collusion was in 1996. And since then, 12 accidental fragmentations have occurred uh, each and every year. So um, referring to your question on the likelihood of something like that, I think that's, that's, that outlines also a good number. Yeah, I mean, actually, to add just a... Um, uh... And sentence that can endorse further that message. Um, there, there are some uh, estimations and calculation assessments that we are doing in the space debris office. And for example, what we have noticed uh, is that at Hubble's altitude, uh, the probability of a collision with uh, one of these objects has doubled since the early 2000. So it has, uh, I mean, this is getting more and more uh, risky uh, to operate in certain uh, height orbits. 
and that's also the reason um, why the International Space Station has to uh, conduct space debris avoidance maneuvers um, annually. So these maneuvers where the ISS trajectory is changed by small reboosts or deboosts in plane burns, um, and that will lift or lower um, the space station. Uh, on a regular basis, as even as the smallest pieces of space debris, as we as we have heard already by, by Beatrice, um, can have a potential harm and impact on the space station. Mm -hmm. That's it. And, uh, and also, for example, the, the, the example that Marcus uh, mentioned before uh, on the first uh, verified accidental collision, which was the series satellites, so a French satellite, and a leftover from an Ariane rocket. Um, that uh, was very impressive because it was like a, a tiny uh, debris impacted on the gravity stabilization boom of the series uh, satellite. So uh, it's quite impressive how a tiny object can destroy a large boom. Yeah. And booms are these long, thin, um, yeah. what are they like, antennas? Or... It's, I mean, in this case was to stabilize the gravity of the, okay. of the satellite. Yeah, so I guess that's pretty unlucky that, that a small object would have hit something yes. so thin. But yeah, it just shows yeah. um, that these things can happen. Yeah, that's it. Well, um, we have heard now about the different sizes of debris, and we have we have discussed a bit of the of the background to it. And the space debris, um, as as I said before, moves faster than a bullet, and that's why, for example, a one centimeter particle releases the same amount of energy as a small car crashing at forty kilometers an hour, uh, a fragment of which is a ten centimeter impact lying at twenty five sticks of dynamite. So I think it's important to remember um, how quickly it, it travels on the one hand side, but also what kind of impact it could have, um, or what kind of severe impact it could have on, on other um, objects in outer space. So if a small object can do such damage, then what about when two whole satellites crash into each other? And unfortunately, this has happened before. Beatrice, could you talk a bit more about this? So, I mean, we are talking about the, this impact uh, between uh, one defunct satellite that uh, was the Cosmos <clears throat> and uh, one operational satellite with Ocididium. Um, and uh, they were, uh, let's say, traveling uh, in, the, in a very similar um, altitude orbit in the, in the order of 8,800 uh, kilometers height. Um, and they they collide, and uh, the 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 event trigger around well, more than uh, two thousand uh, new particles. Uh, so of course, this uh, event triggers a significant increase in the risk of collisions, and uh, so this event um, it's not uh, making let's say. 20% more of uh, warnings that we are suffering uh, nowadays in orbits uh, of operational satellites that are on those uh, orbits. And the same happened in other uh, regimes as well. So this is the first, uh, let's say, known uh, collision between two satellites, but the, the new tendencies launching more and more satellites in these uh, orbits uh, will, will definitely create uh, more risk. Um, yes, and everything which we which we have heard now um, from Beatrice and 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 what we heard, need, know about the background, it's also uh, depicted in two thousand nine 
um, about the first accidental collision of two sat satellites, which is really nicely shown in the in the graph, which we have, which we are referring to in this in in this podcast, because it brought the realization that even though the heavens are, are vast and the heavens are very wide, the orbital planes above the Earth are finite. So it's a finite resource, and we all depend on using this resource above our heads. So I think that's uh, something which is really important to remember, uh, especially when we know. Um, what impact uh, even the smallest form and the smallest piece of space debris can have. So I think that's that's something which is really important to remember. Um, so Marcus, maybe you could talk a bit about the UN and what it's doing in this area when it comes to debris and, and the impact it can have. Well, I think everything which we heard right now in terms of the amount of debris out there and the potential impact on other space objects and also the the threat um, which space debris uh, can have on other on other objects. I think it's it's important to remember that, or to, to remind that there is a an importance of um, uh, to create rules of the road, so to have a framework and to to for future uh, for the future to avoid um, damages and overload in space. So I think that's something where the UN is playing an important role and has been already been very successful in the past. So the UN promotes response, responsible and sustainable behavior in space. Um, we support the development of policies through the so-called Committee on Peaceful Uses of Outer Space. Um, the committee itself is where, this, where states and delegations come together to discuss exactly those um, those sustainable and responsible behavior in space. And through that committee, um, the delegations, as well as the countries um, represented in there, have endorsed the so-called space debris mitigation guidelines, as well as guidelines to protect the long-term sustainability of outer space. So the UN, in its convening power, is bringing together member states, is bringing together delegations um, to discuss to discuss potential policies in this area. We are working um, on capacity building and awareness raising and outreach efforts. Events like today, and I'm really happy that we were able to uh, pull together the efforts with the European Space Agency on such an important topic. Um, so that's really something where we can add to the to the to the big puzzle, and it's just a small puzzle piece um, to raise awareness about this important about this important topic. That's great. I think people often wonder. You know who sets the rules? What's the accountability? So it's always interesting to hear what the UN's up to and how it's guiding people to be more uh, sustainable and responsible. Um, and Beatrice, how about what ESA is up to? So in the area of mitigation on the damage that uh, space debris can cause on operational satellites, there are several areas that we try to cover. So we uh, improve the protection of the satellites. Uh, so there are several studies of new technologies to be used to protect uh, the surface of the satellites. So for example, the ones uh, used in the ATV um, cargo module using Whipple seals. Uh, we have uh, made, or we are doing, uh, design rockets in a spacecraft to minimize the amount of shedding material becoming detached during launch and operations. Uh, we conduct safe operations, so basically performing collision avoidance maneuvers uh, or studying the collision avoidance, uh, collision warning um, messages in the space debris office for ESA's uh, satellite. 
We perform dispersal maneuvers, uh, basically moving satellites to a graveyard orbit to limit the presence of a defunct satellite in the orbit and try to clear the orbit where working satellites are. We try to prevent explosions uh, by releasing stored energy, something that we call passivating the spacecraft. And uh, there are some trends on uh, conduct designs uh, at satellite level to something that is called design to the miss. So that once the satellite has finished and then you conduct the disposal maneuver, it can re-enter into the atmosphere and destroy it uh, entirely or almost entirely, uh, reducing the on-ground risk. Yeah, it's an impressive amount of stuff that's being done now and the uh, ESA space debris and clean space teams are really, yeah, busy. Um, So finally, I thought it would be nice to just give a final message to the people listening. Uh, What is it that you think is the most important thing people could take away and remember from uh, this episode on the impact of space debris? How about you first, Beatrice? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, the take-home message is that uh, we have to pay attention no matter the size of the object that we have out there, because as we have uh, tried um, sharing with you along this podcast, is that uh, small particles as well can affect uh, the the satellites that are on orbit and can cause problems uh, for future uh, usage of outer space. Uh, So it's time to collaborate globally to ensure the sustainability of space for coming generations. And especially as we move uh, into an area where we put more and more satellites in outer space, it's becoming more and more important, as Beatrice just mentioned, uh, for international collaboration and cooperation um, on the on the rules of the road in outer space to preserve space for future generations. And we are the generation which has to start um, the work on that. So we are the generation and we can come together under the roof of the United Nations as one of the platforms and frameworks where we can decide on these rules of the road to preserve uh, space for long-term sustainable use. So, thanks for listening. You can find out more about space debris and the work being done to tackle it at isa.int forward slash space debris and at usa.org and follow the hashtags spacecare and space sustainability on Twitter to join the conversation.